God, thank you for your incredible great love that is so good to us. We sing about it. We celebrate it. We celebrate who you are in our lives now. And as we open up your word, may your Holy Spirit, Spirit be very present in our lives. May you be here in this place to teach us. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Well, good morning. Great to have you here at First Baptist Church. My name is Pastor Brad Stahl, uh, senior pastor here at First Baptist. Um, for many of you, this might be the first Sunday of 2017. We know that last week was kind of an odd day, being uh, uh, New Year's Day. Um, but it's that New Year's resolution time. And I'm not sure if many of you make New Year's resolutions, but I read an interesting quote that I thought was really good for us to hear and be reminded of. It said, daily devotion is better than yearly resolution. Think about that. Daily devotion, what we choose to do every day, is even better than having to set a yearly resolution that we try and keep. And so I want to encourage you in that. And as you pull out your outline, um, I want to give a foundational message today that will go along those lines of, of a... Daily devotion that we have and what we give to God in His Lordship over our lives. Understanding and remembering that everything we have comes from God and is owned by God and that we are just the stewards of it. We are just the caretakers of what He has given to us. Most of the time, that you know, kind of a message might revolve around uh, possessions and money, but I think it goes much bigger than that. It goes to the time that God has given to us, to the time that we spend um, on others or on blessing others or serving Him. It goes to the talents that God has given to us and how we choose to use those giftings that God has given to us. It even goes to your physical bodies and how you choose to spend um, your, your life that God has given to us, how you choose to take care of your body, what you choose to put into it. Uh, all those things are into account as we talk about lordship and stewardship. And so again, let me give you this foundational message today, reminding you of three key areas that I think if you do these, if you get these worked out, your life will be dramatically, dramatically different in 2017. Let me give you the first one. First question we're asking here today is this. How do you spend your time? How do you spend your time? God has given you a certain amount of time. How do you spend it? Um, a, a while ago, I saw a, a 2020 documentary that talked about the 10 myths that people commonly believe about everyday life in the United States of America. And one of those myths is that Americans just don't have as much free time. That now we are busier than ever before. We run more hectic lives. We live in a faster-paced society. And while some of that may be true, let me share what the myth kind of debunked and what it said. It said the reality is, is that with all the modern-day conveniences that we now have, that we have over an hour more free time than Americans did even 40 or 50 years ago. It's just we choose to spend it differently. Let me say that again. You have at least an hour more free time 
than most Americans had 40 or 50 years ago. It's just we choose to spend it differently. The modern conveniences that we have in life have freed us up. But now we have choices to make about that. Let me just give you a for instance. Um, think back to maybe 100, 150 years ago. 150 years ago probably takes us back to the little, day, um, little House on the Prairie days. Anybody remember that television show, right? Okay, you think back at, uh, at that time. Did any of you today have to wash your clothes by hand sometime this week? Did any of us this week or even today have to milk the cows before we came into church? Right? There, there may be a few of you who maybe lives on a farm or someplace that has to do something like that. Did any of you have to churn the butter? I, and I don't know if churning goes this way or this way. I don't know how that worked. But did any of you have to churn the butter? Did any of you have to, have to saddle up the horses, feed the horses before you rode them into town this morning? No. We, we don't do those kind of things. We jump into the car. We go. We arrive there in a matter of minutes. Um, you know the reason that they even used to have Sunday night church services were because many people rode, agrarian type of society, they rode from far away, came to church. Um, it took so long to get there that they'd often have a potluck or a, a, a picnic after church, and then they would stay for the afternoon and have another church service in the evening time before they went back home. We, we just do life differently now. In fact, more of your free time is not about milking the cows, watering the fields and such. It's probably checking your emails and other things like that. You have to choose how you spend that time. But the truth is, you have more control over how you spend your time. It's interesting how, though, we become a fast food nation and that we spend so much and, and, and so little time on food prep that we become a fast food nation where we just buy our food so quickly. Well, realizing that we have the same amount of time or even more discretionary time than ever before, let me push you on this and say it this way. How do you choose to spend it? Because you all have the same amount of time. You just get to choose how you spend it. Look what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Solomon says this. He says, I have, I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun. The work that I have to do. He says, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be a master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. As you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, you see that Solomon talks about all the things that are vain and, and fruitless and, and, and not worth our time. And here he talks about the work that we do and how when we, what we work and what we toil for will just be given to someone else in a matter of time. In fact, he goes on in Ecclesiastes 3.1 and says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under the sun. And so let me give you, if you have your outline there, three areas that people spend their time in or how they spend their time, how they use their time. There's three types of people. The first one are these. They're takers. They, they take time. Second, there are traders, traders of time. And then third, there are investors. There are those who invest their time. Let me explain a little bit about that. Takers. 
they receive people, they receive time from other people, people pour into their lives, but they never give. They just receive and they never give back. The traders are those who will say, well, I'll receive something and then I'll give something. In fact, it becomes that if you do this, then I will do this. But the third type of people are those that we're going to call the investors. Those are the ones who give, and because they give, they receive back. My challenge to you in this upcoming year is live like an investor. With the time God has given to you. See, the investor is someone who has in mind the desire to make everything and everyone they touch better. They just want to bless people. They understand that the best way to accomplish that is to give their time to others, to invest their time in other people. An investor knows the boomerang principle. If you don't know what that means, it's this. The boomerang principle is when we help others, we actually help ourselves. When you help other people, you end up helping yourselves. You know, I, I think about the time and um, commitment it took for so many of you to lead the community groups that we led um, this fall. When we had a great campaign all the way through our church, going through the Old Testament. Um, that blessing will return to you who stepped up and said, yes, I'll lead. I'll open up my home. I'll take time. I'll take time and invest in God's word and then in people who come into my home. My wife and I for years did two different community groups throughout the week. We were young men. We didn't have children at the time, so we had a lot more time to invest in people. Um, and we had a community group for young marrieds. We had another community group for people who were dating because we wanted to kind of catch them before they got married and said, is this really the one that you want to be married to for the rest of your life? If so, great. Let us help you put some great principles in place. If not, let us help you keep your eyes open and see that. What you pour into other people will always be investment that God will use in a great way. In fact, this um, last month, uh, I was working with some of our guys who are now doing our junior high ministry. Um, Danny Keith and Vince Panasco uh, are junior high interns now. And um, we wanted them to meet with Nikki Lowry because Nikki was our junior high leader for about 10 years and did a wonderful job leading that. So we, we kind of paired them up. And as I'm sitting there talking with Vince and Danny and, and, and um, Nikki, all of a sudden it realized, I realized that the boomerang principle was in effect because I said, do you guys realize that I was Nikki's junior high leader 20 to 25 years ago? And then Nikki did the ministry for 10 years. And in that time span, Vince Panasco was in Nikki's junior high youth ministry group. And so I challenged him. I said, who do you have in your junior high right now that you're investing in? Just like Nikki was able to take it over from me when I had stepped out of there. Just like Vince is now running it when Nikki had done that. I said, guys... Who do you have in there that you can invest time into? Because you might see them right now as 12, 13, 14-year-olds, but soon they will be leading in great ways. I said, look at it that way. See your lives investing as an investor. You who are parents, you know you're doing that in your children's lives. Many of you are even grandparents who are maybe raising your grandchildren. That's the boomerang principle. Pour your lives into them, and they will turn around and bless others and bless you at the same time. If you were here on Christmas Eve, you know that I shared an um, illustration about Helen Keller. 
Many of you know that name. She was the young girl who was deaf and and mute and blind. Um, She had a teacher come into her life by the name of Ann Sullivan when she was about seven years of age. Ann opened up the world to her, taught her how to communicate, taught her how to function within the world. And when Helen Keller became an adult, she was able to take care of herself. She actually earned a, a college degree. She became an author and a lecturer. Here's the part of the story I did not tell, though. Later on in life, her teacher, Ann Sullivan, became ill and couldn't take care of herself. Guess who took care of Ann Sullivan for the rest of her life? Yeah, Helen Keller did. As Ann had poured into Helen and taught her about the world and to take care of herself, She also was the beneficiary of being taken care of when she couldn't care for herself. That's the boomerang principle. That's what we do. What do you do with your time? Who are you investing in? What are you investing your time into? How are you investing your time? But be an investor this year in 2017. First of all, God has given us time. I pray that you are a great steward of that. Let me give you the second thing that he's blessed us with, and that is our God-given talents. God has given us God-given talents. My question is, how do you spend those talents? The talents I'm talking about here are the giftings that God's given to you, be they natural giftings, be they spiritual giftings, that you have to serve others with. Let me remind you what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. He says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us, what's the word here? Let us what? Let us use them. Don't sit on them. Don't put them in the sidelines. Use them. He says, if prophecy, then in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in in generosity the one who leads lead with zeal the one who does acts of mercy then with cheerfulness whatever giftings god has given to you use them use those talents god has given to you you know uh, over the course of about two weeks here and we're in the middle of it right now we have had eight different funerals that we're having here at first baptist church And as much as I get to stand up and share and talk about the lives of the people, there's a whole team of people behind the scenes called our bereavement committee, our bereavement team, who are busy in the kitchen preparing meals. And many of you actually are part of that team, and you bring food so that they can set it out before others so that the families, as they're going through the loss of a loved one, don't have to worry about that food that needs to be prepared for them, and they can enjoy a meal right after the the time that we celebrate and talk about their lives and the funerals. Um, That's a a team that works together that uses their talents. I think about Charlie Hess, who organizes so many of our mission trips around here at First Baptist. The Honduras trip we talked about last week is a full trip, but but Charlie has come to the place in his life to say, I want to invest in, in, in others. I want to invest in countries where we go and we dig wells and we change their lifestyles and we get to share Jesus with them. And, and that's what I want to do with my life. That's someone who is using his talents in an incredible way. I think about the Breakfast Club. That, they, they serve so faithfully and so many of you do something like that. Led by Marilyn Young, McDonald's and, and others who are there just so faithfully, regularly 
rain or shine on Saturday mornings, who feed the homeless out on the streets. I think about a gal, many of you might not know her, but a gal by the name of Kathy Kane. Kathy, every Christmas, gives up some of her time and her finances, goes out and, and gives hundreds of gloves and socks to the homeless men on the streets because she knows it's a difficult time. And she says, that's just what I want to do with, with, with my life. I want to bless others at this point in my life. I, I, I think about Olga Rodriguez. She was in our first service, who is executive director down at the Haven of Peace, and Jody Sheffield, and they serve together in such wonderful ways. I talked about Nikki Lowry. She is now executive director for the Pregnancy Help Center and the work that she does there. I think about Wayne Richardson, his wife Carol, who come here to First Baptist, executive director down at the Gospel Rescue Mission, and give and creating a whole new vision for that. I'm actually blessed to be able to speak at a graduation ceremony for those men. Many of those men attend here at First Baptist, and we get to brag them up and say, you guys have taken a step to overcome some difficulties in your life. I think about those leaders, and I say, what talents they are using to bless the city of Stockton, to share the name of Jesus so that the people in this city will just have their lives changed. I think about the Pablistans, who I see back in the back of the service there, who have poured their lives and health care into an agency that is bringing uh, people and giving them great health care here in the city of Stockton. For decades they have done that. I think about so many different people who say, our talents, we want Jesus to be glorified by using our talents. In 2017, maybe you would step out and do something. In 2017, maybe you would say, God, I've never been on a mission trip. I've never served at a local agency. I've never been a part of a board. I've never maybe done something that just is, is all about giving, is all about blessing others, is all about serving. But maybe this would be your year that you say, I know God has given me some talents, and I know I should use them. And if today you don't, you even want to serve here at First Baptist, we have this brochure at the Next Step Center. It talks about no, grow, serve, and share. And you can talk to the attendant out there, and they'll point you to the place of serving opportunities we have. Because here's the truth. For every one of you who knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, when you get to heaven, when you pass away, you step into the presence of Jesus, he's going to ask you, do you believe in me? God will say, did you believe, have a faith in my son? If so, you'll be ushered in to his presence. And then secondly, he'll say, what did you do with what I gave you? The talents that you were given. And across this world, when we talk about five, three, and one talents, many of you know the parable of that. You all are five-talent people. In America, you are five-talent people, and God wants you to use those talents for his glory. And if you don't know kind of what those talents are, those giftings that you have in your lives, then Pastor Derek is going to do a class coming up in February, February 19th and 26th. On a Sunday morning, two weeks, back-to-back, the 19th and the 26th, we'll give you and show you how God has wired you, how he has given you talents that you need to use for his glory. In fact, I pray more of you will be bold in your faith this next upcoming year. Um, on Friday night, I had the opportunity to go pray for, or I was invited to pray for a local business. 
um, there's a gal comes to our church. She said, would you come? I'm being installed as the president of, of our organization, and there's some other people who are going to be installed as well. Would you come and pray for the meal um, at that installation dinner? I said, I'd be more than happy to come and pray. I said, I have a dinner that I have to get to afterwards, but let me come at the beginning, and I'll pray, and then I'll just kind of slip out afterwards. She says, great, please do. And um, as I went there, I walked in the door, kind of introduced myself to the people at the front area, and I said, I'm here to pray, and I know so-and-so, and so I said, oh, yeah, she's right over there, and then I went and talked to her, and we were sharing a little bit, and all of a sudden, she was called out of the room, and she comes back about two or three minutes later, and she says kind of sheepishly, she says, uh, Pastor Brad, um, I guess I'm not supposed to have you praying here at our dinner. I said, really? She said, yeah, some people heard that you were a pastor, and I'm sorry. I know I invited you, but they don't allow other people to pray. There's someone from the national level, and they're here, and they reminded me of that, and I didn't know that. And she said, but you know what? Would you pray for me right now? I said, absolutely. I'd be happy to pray for you right now. And so we just did that. At the table that we were at, we said, hey, let's just pray for her because she was going to be the president. And so we prayed over her. We prayed for her. And then when I was walking out the door, there were two other gals at the front, and they said, hey, you were here to pray. I said, yeah, and I'm not. They said, well, will you pray for us right now? I said, I'd be happy to pray for you right now. I said, are you being installed as well? And they said, yes, please pray for us in the upcoming year. I said, I'd love to get to do that. So we still got our prayers in there. I'll tell you that right now, all right? We did that. But that's a gal who's emboldened with her faith. And she wanted to share that. She wanted her pastor to come and, and share that in front of her work associates and friends. I'm thrilled that she asked me to do that. Who cares that they wouldn't let us? We did it anyway. I pray that in this upcoming year, you would be emboldened with your faith. That the talents God has given to you, you would use them in a great way. So your time, your talents, let me give you a third. How do you spend your treasure? How do you spend your treasure? And yes, now I'm talking about the money, the bling bling, all right? Let's just put it out there that way. See, maybe not everyone is called to be on the mission field, but we all are called to be generous with what God has given to us, what God has blessed us with. See, that offering plate, if you're not used to what we do here in church, and I know some of you might be starting back to church, or maybe you're here for the very first time, um, the offering plate that passes in front of us, that's not like some admittance ticket you know, that you need to put money into, or it's not like a Salvation you know, Army donation can that I better put something into that. That actually, for those of us who call First Baptist home, that's our spiritual act of worship. We are worshiping when that plate goes by because what we put in there is a portion of our lives. What we put in there is a portion of what God has blessed us with. It's a portion of what he's allowed us to earn that we now give back to him. And let me remind you, God does not need your money. He owns it all. What giving does is it reminds us that God has given us the wealth. And it just, there is something about finances that very subtly begin to take over our lives. They begin to take over our priorities. It becomes a bigger deal than God many times. And what giving does, what giving away of those finances does, is it reminds us who's in charge, who's in control. Not our desire to acquire 
but his presence in our lives. And so the Old Testament biblical principle there is a tithe that we give 10%. The New Testament really even expanded that and said, be generous. You don't have to be locked into just the tithe. Be generous. And so for years, we have shared the principle of 10, 10, 80, that we give to God first, we, uh, that first 10%, and then we save 10%, and then we live off of the other 80% that we have in our lives. And, and, and person after person after person after person who has done that, has found how much God has blessed them. And now their priorities just get into the right place when we give to God first and then save and then use the rest to live. In fact, let me share a couple of biblical principles from that. A couple of verses. Deuteronomy 14, 23. It says, And before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain of your wine, of your oil, the firstborn of your herd and your flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. Let me say that in part again. That you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. That's really what tithing does. That's what generosity does. In fact, there's another version that translates this verse that says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first place in your life. That's really what it's about. When that offering plate is passed, it's saying, God, you're first. I want to give to you the first of what you have blessed me with. In fact, Deuteronomy 8, another tremendous verse, says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. You thought about that? That whatever you have been blessed with, whatever you are able to earn, it's God who gave you that power to gain that wealth. And what giving does is it just reminds us, God, this is from you, and so I give a portion back to you. Another way of translating that verse, always remember that it's the Lord your God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. See, it really is more about what giving does in us and, and to us more than what it is about how we bless other people. It, it's really how God works in us, how he frees us up that we don't have to be controlled by money and finances. It's really about the motives. And, and that's what I want to encourage you on here today. If you hear anything, please do not hear that your pastor is saying that you need to give to God and do it because I'm encouraging you to do it. Please do not hear that from me. You give to God because God has so richly blessed you. You give to God because you become convinced. Now, if I can help you become convinced that way and you would try that out, then all the more reason to do it. But don't give under compulsion. Don't give under because someone is, is, is making you feel guilty. That's not what it's about. Really, the reason we give is to say, God, you have first place in my life. This came from you, and I want to acknowledge that, and I give this back to you so that you may be blessed. I want your motives to be right. I want your heart to be right when you do that. In fact, Genesis chapter 4, four chapters into the Bible, we already see this motive of giving and, and a right motive and a wrong motive. Um, Cain and Abel um, are bringing before the Lord an offering. Look what it says in Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. It says, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. 
And Abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. God was able to see that Cain's heart was not in the right place. Cain didn't give with a generous spirit. He didn't give to God his best and then trust that God would more than bless him back. But he saw that in Abel. That's how Abel gave. And that's what God honored. Luke 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Truth of the matter is, you can never outgive God. You can never outgive God. In fact, if you were here on Christmas Eve, some of you might have caught me kind of joking a little bit about C's candy and how, you know, you can open up that box of C's candy and you can take one of those out and you can reshuffle all the rest of them and it looks like you haven't even taken one out, okay? I mean, I mean that's the truth. My men at my breakfast gave me like a huge five-pound box of, of C's candy and I tried it. I did it. You didn't know it, did you? No, she didn't. In fact, there were double layers on that one. You can start a whole new second layer and do the same thing. That's the way it is with God. Follow me on this. When you take the first one out and give that to God, he just kind of reshuffles all the rest of the candy in there, and you don't even notice it's gone. That's the way it works. Now, when you wait till the end, and there's only three pieces of candy in there, your wife knows when you took one of the three, doesn't she? Right? Don't wait to the end. You do it off the top. You do it from the very beginning. And God just kind of reshuffles and reprioritizes. The fact of the matter is, can you live off of the 90% more than the 100% and trust that part to God? That's what, it's a faith issue. It's a lordship issue. In time, talents, and in our treasure. Sean Schultz, I'm going to ask you to come on up here. John and his wife, Renee, and your microphone is right there again, if you can grab that, have been here at First Baptist for, for many, many years. And uh, 12 years ago, we went through an interesting study. We went through the study, all church, called Crown Financial um, uh, Study, that um, was a great teaching on our finances and how we treat our finances. And you guys didn't just do the study. You were really impacted by that study. Can you share a little bit about um, how God impacted you when we did that study together? Let's see. Yep, try it out. Okay. We're not good. Can you get that up there, David? Just go ahead and start talking. I think it's going to work. Hello? There uh, it is. Okay. Well, I mean, my wife and I were newly married, and uh, we were real busy in uh, attending small groups and uh, getting really involved in building relationships here at the church. And so... Uh, when Crown Financial came up, it was uh, something that we really wanted to understand more about our financial life. And so it was a great experience. I mean, we, we saved every receipt and uh, calculated from as little as the $4 cup of coffee to as much as the, uh, the, the car payment as well as the house. And then uh, over all that, uh, the receipts, we realized just how much money we were spending that uh, wasn't really spent that wisely. And so when we readjusted our, our financial spending uh, for so many different areas, we realized that we were able to double our, um, 
our uh, investment for our uh, retirement and then also have extra money to give and wherever those needs are and it just it just freed up quite a bit doing that now you didn't only kind of look at that and say okay well let's just go through life living a little differently you you made a radical commitment didn't you you made a commitment to be debt free talk to us about that Yep, uh, just years of commuting to job site to job site. Uh, we listened to uh, J Dave Ramsey, and it uh, when he was talking about debt free, I really didn't know much about that because just lived in debt my whole life pretty much. And so uh, I was praying about it and uh, asking God, what is this is this about? What am I going to experience from this? What am I going to feel uh, pursuing a debt free uh, path? And then just a moment of silence, I just felt this overwhelming amount of peace come over me. And I realized that, uh, that for me, I would be um, having peace of mind than losing my mind, just keeping track of all these bills and, uh, that were related to debt, and then started visualizing the uh, uh, not concerned about all the, uh, uh, the funds that uh, paying this and paying that when I can use it to help this person or do that. And so it was just kept, it kept building and building all these pros to doing uh, a, a task like that. And then as well as knowing that with my line of work, I do a lot of physical work and, uh, and um, sometimes my back is in a great deal of pain. And so I thought, well, then it would, it would free up the, uh, uh, if that ever came to, I had to switch jobs or careers or for my wife or myself, you know. And so there was all these openings to that. Yeah. And, and you talked about when we shared about this whole debt-free concept, how freeing you felt mm -hmm. that it would be that you didn't have to worry about how much, you know, the paycheck was or you didn't have to take certain jobs. And, and you could just even give more to where you wanted to bless people and bless the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, when we did the Crown Financial, being married, it's good to be on the same page. Uh, just like it talks about being yoked, it's so important to communicate. Th these are really important issues. Uh, so we were right on the same page with the uh, um, the finances and knowing where best to, 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 to move what God has given us. And then the uh, now as far as the debt-free, uh, just being human, it was more of me pursuing this at first and then my wife just being so loving and patient to later on see that this is this is going to be great. This is a, a really good decision. That uh, and then so then it was uh, uh, of course a much easier um, connection for us to see it and because it is quite a journey. Uh, just like if you're, you sign up for a marathon and you don't have your spouse with you in that marathon, it's like only one of you could be running it. So prayer and, and really being in unity with 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 big decisions like this, and because when you're in a marathon or if you're swimming to a long distance, it may not, uh, you may not see that goal, but you have to know uh, that you're going to reach it, yeah. and for yeah. sure. And throughout that whole time, you also made a commitment to be generous givers to your church. Um, talk to us about why you did that and how God has blessed you being a regular, faithful, generous giver to him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, my, my wife has been a great witness to that she, uh, since uh, as, a, as a girl, she's learned with her family, uh, teaching her to give uh, regularly. And so n newly married, I, I just wasn't brought up that way. 
And so uh, later I started paying attention to, oh, she's writing a check every month. So what is that about? <laughs> and then, um, so then I started realizing just um, how much of a, a wonderful, faithful uh, giver she is and regularly doing that. And then, uh, and then that she's always been taken care of. I mean, she's, she's always at peace. And, and that's just been her, uh, her joyful thing that she's uh, uh, grasped hold of. And so, um, and so I can't argue with that. Uh, I, mean, I mean, just through marriage, you always argue about little things and stuff. But when it comes to, to giving and knowing what the word says, I, I just can't argue with her about that. And, and then what Pastor Brad also talked about is... Um, uh, what, what, you know, when we all ask ourselves, well, what's that ma- amount? What, what's that amount we're looking at to give? And, and it's, it's kind of like what I've heard through messages uh, that it's when it feels like it's hurting, like, you know, like you're having to, having to stretch your faith and trusting that God will take care of you. And uh, so once when I felt where I was at with what it hurt, my wife was like four times higher than that. <laughs> and so, but then I can't argue with her because she, we're taking care of our families provided for and, and, and the best part, too, is that what we're giving, uh, we're giving to, to staff and members to use that money wisely to people that I've built relationships with. And I love Pastor Brad. I love the staff. I, I've got to know them, and, and uh, they're, they're a family uh, in so many different ways over the years. So it's just, it takes a little bit of that, that hurt away, you know, that uh, when, we, when, we, when, we, when we give. And, uh, you know, now that my wife knows that it doesn't hurt as much to give, she might up it some more. <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> so. So, so let me end by asking you this. Um, about 12 years ago, you guys made that commitment to say, let's do this. Let's, let's get debt-free, paying off all of our finances, paying off all credit cards, paying off all our cars, and, and your mortgage as well. Mm-hmm. You're almost there, aren't you? Yep, uh, end, of, end of this summer, the latest will be done. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Good for you. Good for you. God bless you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. You know, you might look and say, wow, I don't think I could ever do that. It takes somebody 12 years before saying, could we be at that place? And and as John and I talked about this, he was so excited. I mean, he he just, just said, it has just freed us up. We see life so differently now. And it's allowed us to be so generous. Now, some of you again may say, that is way far off from me. Well, maybe not. If you're someone here who says, I can't get my finances in order, I've never been able to, I haven't been able to get it right, in your bulletin today, you can see is one of the listings of the classes that are going to start on January 25th, Wednesday night. It's called um, uh, Financial Peace, uh, the Dave Ramsey class. And we have a couple um, uh, the heads who are teaching that class um, that just do a wonderful, wonderful job with that class. And um, you could step into that class this year in about three weeks, and you could begin to see your life change by getting your finances in order, having them in the right place, doing it the way that God wants you to do it. And so I'd encourage you, go to that website, sign up for that Dave Ramsey class, and start making a change. Wouldn't it be amazing 12 years from now to get to stand up in front of the church and say, I'm debt-free. Everything I have, God can just use it in wonderful ways. I'm not slave to the person who lent me this money. I'm freed up. Because really, it it comes down to this. Do you believe God can do more with your 90% than you can do with your 100%? 
Do you believe more in that? And that's why we, we give around here. We give 10, 10, 80. Do I believe that God can use my 90% and just fill in the gaps like he does see his candy when you take one or two out? Do I believe he can do that? That's a faith issue. That's saying, God, okay, I'm going to trust you. And I invite you in this new year that you would take that step of obedience obedience and say, God, I'm going to take you up on your promise. I'm going to give you the first part of what I have of what you've given to me, and I'm going to watch you multiply all the rest that is there. That's a lordship issue, and I pray that you don't just see that in the area of your finances, but you will see that in the area of your talents, and you will see that in the area of your time. You'll see it in every area of your life. Just say, God, how can I honor you first? Look at the verse up here out of 2 Corinthians 8, 5. It says, they gave themselves, what? First to the Lord. And that's where I pray you come. And I will guarantee you, as we sit in this place one year from now, and 2018 has begun, that if you set these principles in place now with your time, with your talents, and with your treasure, you will be in a different place in your spiritual walk, You'll be in a different place with your relationships. You'll be in a different place emotionally. Life will just look different to you because you're doing it the way that God wants you to do it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for your principles that you put into place and for allowing me just to share, allowing someone like a John Scholes to share about what you have done in his life God, I thank you for those who are in this congregation and have come to a place of saying, God, we surrender it. It is yours. No matter what it is, it's yours. We, we give to you first off the top with a heart, motives that say, God, we want you to be honored in how we spend our time and how we spend our talents, how we spend our treasure. So, God, may you be glorified. May this worship that we have here not just end in this sanctuary, But God, it will continue on out in the world. We live a lifestyle of worship. We give a lifestyle of worship. Lord, may the world see that it's not about us, but it's about you in everything. In everything, it's about you. Lord, I thank you that one of these days we're going to stand before you and that so many in this congregation will be able to profess the name of Jesus. I pray as well they will be able to profess that they have taken their talents, which you have given to them, and they have used it wisely so that you may be blessed, so that this world may be changed by what you've blessed us with. God, we love you. Our lives, we want them to reflect. We want it to reflect that, our love for you. Now may our lips sing about that, and then may we go and live that. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray.